0: Welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Someru. Hey, really Today we're talking about the elegance of medical device design, and my guest is Mark Taub. Mark is the divisional vice president of technical operations for Abbott's diabetes care business. So if you don't know, Abbott is a huge medical device company. Um, and... Mark has been this driving force behind uh, Abbott's new continuous glucose monitor, Freestyle Libre. Um, On this episode, uh, I I love this episode because uh, Mark indulged me with a little bit of chat about uh, what he's expert in, uh, the chemical makeup of adhesives, uh, no less, uh, but also how the design is built and the elegance behind uh, the Processes that lead to a continuous glucose monitoring uh, measurement made out of the interstitial fluid. Uh, obviously, we place it just behind uh, on the back of your arm there. Uh, so on this episode, Mark shares his personal journey all the way up to um, Abbott and everything that he's doing there, uh, and we do talk about the te- the impact. Sorry that this technology is having uh, on real people's lives. So uh, yeah, hope you enjoy. It. So, uh, Mark, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, How are you doing?
1: Uh, Terrific. Thanks, James, for uh, having me here. This is great. I'm looking forward to this.
0: Excellent. Uh, You're very welcome, sir. You're very welcome. Whereabouts are you speaking to us from today, Mark? Where are you based?
1: So I am from the uh, Abbott Diabetes Care offices in Alameda, California, so uh, in sort of the northern part of Silicon Valley. Here It's uh, it's a little bit sunny outside my window. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But I did Beautiful. spend three years in the UK.
0: Oh, did you? Um, Whereabouts were you we in the
1: UK? Well, I was living just outside of Oxford. Um, we have a um, really an incredible site in Whitney. Um, so about 20 minutes outside of Oxford. And it was uh, fantastic. 2015 through 2018, um, you know, sort of my, my little piece of living in the idyllic uh, English countryside. <laughs> it was really amazing
0: absolutely none more idyllic than uh than oxford particularly um beautiful part of the world oh that's lovely and i imagine in california now uh you mentioned that it's sunny outside thanks for that it's really not here we've had our we've had our week of summer (laughs) um so as you know from being here for three years it doesn't last very long um but as i say mark absolutely pleased to have you on really looking forward to getting into this um the way that we start these is to ask you to tell your story so obviously a heck of a heck of a background to get you to where you are now so tell us all about it how do you How do you get to be the leader in abbott that you are now
1: yeah so i i really like to tell people that i'm on my first job um that really uh my my first job at a grad school and um i studied material science and engineering and when i think about how i ended up here um you know i i wish there was a master plan i could tell you but um we all know people with diabetes i grew up um my mom was a nurse educator, a, a certified diabetes educator. So I guess I always grew up, um, you know, um, talking about uh, healthcare and diabetes and awareness of it. She actually just retired this past year. She was a, a professor nursing at a New York University. So she, she just retired. So kind of a nice story there. And then, um, you know, in, in college, one of my one of my best friends, freshman year was diagnosed with diabetes. So, you know, all these little bits shape you along the way. Um, When I was in, I studied engineering in in university. And then when I went to graduate school, um, you know, I I knew I wanted to study um, material science. I knew I wanted to do something in the um, health aspects of material science, biomaterials, and um, got involved in um, some transdermal drug delivery work, which back in the Kind of late 90s early 2000s was was sort of a very exciting area things like uh, nicoderm the patch to help people with smoking cessation it was um it was a lot of active research in that area and then i ended up um, when i finished after uh, five years of graduate school and i, I was starting to look for a, a job i had um you know i sent my my resume around and um my, my research was actually in so the Adhesives that you use to attach transdermal drug delivery devices to the skin, and then the mechanical properties of skin itself. So quite esoteric, and um, <laughs> you know, as, as as PhD projects often are, they get quite narrow. And when I had been looking for for work, I had um, reached out to a company called Therasense, and I, I spoke to them, and they said, "Well, you know, kind of interesting, but what you do is so specific. I don't know if we have any need for that." And then I got a call back, sort of a couple of weeks later, saying, "You know." Actually, that's exactly what we have in (laughs) the before. We had at the time, um, so continuous glucose monitoring was in its very earliest days at that time. And they had a product in development called Freestyle Navigator, which is the predecessor for Freestyle Libra. And I'm sure we'll we'll talk more about that. And they were trying to get it to stick on the body from three days to five days at the time. And um, I came on board to help with that. And um, I sort of never looked back. Um, It was... Uh, Theracense ended up being acquired by Abbott in 2004, so I have um, you know nearly 19 or 20 years uh, experience with Abbott, and it's depending on, on when you start counting. And uh, you know I've really had just these tremendous opportunities being part of this really um, nascent field of continuous glucose monitoring, sort of being at the right place at the right time, and at the you know the cutting edge of this amazing technology that now Freestyle Libre is used by. Four and a half million people to manage their diabetes and it provides people they wear a teeny tiny device on the back of their arm and it measures their glucose readings every minute sends it wirelessly to their to their smartphone or a reader um, alarms them when their glucose readings are high or low and lets them you know help them manage their diabetes so it's been just an amazing ride and now um, you know, I mentioned I spent I spent three years in the in the UK, um, sort of in the early days of Libre. That's um, where we actually um, it's one of the places where we build the actual sensor. The part of the there's a um, when we think about the sensor, there's a little tiny sensor tail about width of three human hairs. That's just under the skin. And it's what measures the the, the glucose values. And we, we make that in in the UK and spent you know three years in that site um, as we were essentially transferring and ramping up. Um, Uh, freestyle Libre manufacturing to that site and uh, again an amazing experience and now to see the kind of the difference that this product is making people's lives and we've introduced um, multiple generations of the product now adding features along the way adding connectivity to um, uh, digital health tools and apps and um you know cloud capabilities that it's just um you know, it, it's been so fulfilling to to watch how this product has grown and the difference it's it's made in people's lives.
0: That's an awesome, awesome story, and I am going to indulge myself here because um, I th- I think that it's fascinating that you can study biomaterials and do something at the level of designing the adhesive to stick to the skin and therefore needing to understand the properties of skin. And this, I suppose, really complex biology and quite literally biomaterials then to go on that biology that can then make what might be perceived as quite a small difference, making something more sticky, frankly. But what that Actually means practically when you follow that through to the impact of patients is that. The patch will stay on for two more days. That drug can then be delivered over those two more days at a more uh, continuous concentration. That will have such impact on the patient with less side effects. Like there's all these things that you can tie to the impact of studying a biomaterial to essentially just make an adhesive stick for a couple more days. I don't know if you can remember much of of that of that project and and that write up, but. Can you tell me something interesting about that? I mean, what what was that? What, what were you actually doing? What's the science behind that? Like, what adhesive is it? Like, how do you even do that? Tell me something interesting about the the bioengineering of uh, of the materials to stick stuff into the skin.
1: Sure. Well, well, thanks for that question. I don't get enough chance to talk about this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. So I, the you know the adhesive is something that people really do take for granted. It just has to work. Yeah. But um, getting. Freestyle Libre to last for 14 days was a critical part of being able to deliver the product um, and to make it available as broadly, um, to deliver it, make it as accessible as it could be, um, to deliver it at the price where it could yes. be in the hands of so many folks. Um, again, Freestyle Navigator, when it was first launched, was three days. Uh, we launched as a five-day product. Early in development is a three-day product. But achieving 14 days and... This was at a time, I mean, there really aren't, I, I can't think of really any other on medical devices that are worn on the body for 14 days. And, uh, you know, especially when we first launched this product. And, you know, there were a lot of people who questioned if that would be possible. The stratum corneum, the top layer of the skin, it's it's, it's regenerating. And the cells mm. last about 14 days, your stratum corneum, um, you, you know, uh, re- replenishes itself. So there were, there were lots of questions if we could do it. Um, but, you know, we work with great partners and, um, you know, did, did lots of, of work and lots of elements of the design of, you know, not just the adhesive, but the backing of the adhesive and how it's attached to the, the electronics of the device itself, the, the, the puck, um, how to do that in a way that's, you know, healthy for the skin, lets moisture pass through, gets, gets good adhesive. But really, I think in grad school, I learned, um, you know, a way of thinking and how to, solve difficult problems and approach difficult problems that served me the best through my career. I really I studied fracture mechanics and the um, human skin and adhesives was, um, you know, that was the, the project in which I, I applied that work. And you know there's multiple layers of the skin and understanding how those layers adhere to each other and how they um, dissipate energy um, and bond to each other. But it's really, you know, in grad school, I learned I learned how to digest a problem, how to define the problem, how to solve it. And I think that holds you well you know, as, as an engineer through all aspects of um, you know, solving difficult problems. And if you think about continuous glucose monitoring, there's, there's more than a handful of them. Skin adhesive is a great one. But um, you know, getting a sensor that can accurately measure um, glucose for 14 days um, you know, for, for all people is, is, is a challenge. And you know, I think we've, we've done amazing things there.
0: Yeah, it's, it, I think that is, a, there's a really interesting concept for me here, which is that when leaders, entrepreneurs, R&D department, like when people need to solve a problem, you said you learned that a way to solve problems at grad school, but like, Immersing yourself in a problem to truly understand that problem and everything that could possibly be innovated in order to solve that problem, I think is none more evident than in what you've just described. Because if you think about the, what are you actually trying to do here with this problem? Well, you're trying to, uh, continually monitor glucose in the body without Really immersing yourself in every minute detail of that problem, you may not get to the point of even questioning, you know the eyes of a beginner, et cetera, you know thinking with the eyes of a beginner, to even question, could we make this adhesive last longer? I think, and what would that enable with all the other technology for us to do? And and to your point, what does that do to price point and all these different things? I think that's a just a wonderful example of how we talk about this a lot in, I suppose, in our work when we talk about different audiences and making sure that you map all the audiences and every person that could possibly be affected by this and make sure you understand them and understand their pain points and understand how your value is translated to them to understand all those things. But from an engineering perspective, I think that's fascinating because that this isn't my world particularly, but to then translate that into the understanding of an engineering problem of understand literally every possible thing about the device and figure out how to optimize it. It's funny. I actually heard a podcast recently of, um, I think it was Elon Musk indulging himself with an engineer just talking about the, the, engineering behind the tesla car and and you can hear how literally every single in fact he talked about adhesives for one of it one bit of it and how he wanted to even make sure that the adhesives were re-engineered as much as possible to fit the to fit the use and all that kind of thing it seems uh, it seems fascinating to me that you can you can go down to that level and make and make impact and continually innovate i think i think that's absolutely wonderful and and to obviously use that mindset to to get to the point where you are now with libre that's it's incredible the amount of engineering that must be behind it but to go back to you, to, to you and your background so that mindset and and that engineering start obviously then the the uh the diabetes is surrounding you at this point with your mum your best friend you've got this education around biomaterials and, and engineering was it was it that you were sort of attracted into diabetes and really wanted that or was it a, a happy coincidence or do you believe that what you put out the world delivers to you i mean what do you, how do you how do you think of that what's your framework for i suppose getting that dream job in inverted commas
1: I don't think it was my master plan exactly, but it does feel like the universe funneled me in this direction. <laughs> um, ab- absolutely. And then, um, you know, you talked a lot about, um, you know, understanding the the minute elements of, of, you know, what people's needs are with these products. And I mean, we we, we do that. We, um, you know, we really try to understand what people with diabetes, the challenges they have and how we can create products that, you know, meet their needs and help them manage their their Manage their diabetes in their lives. You know, I had um I had a boss when I was a uh, you know just a a young a young engineer. I probably back in 2006, so so early in this journey, and um, he said, you know, it would be really good if uh, you went to diabetes camp for a week. So I don't know if you know about diabetes camps. I don't know how people there are in the UK, but in the US, it, yeah, they're they're kind of an opportunity for um kids, young kids who maybe don't know someone else with diabetes, someone like themselves, and they. Go to camp for like a week, and they um, you wow. know have great medical care. They're often you know associated with these great kind of um, university hospitals. And I volunteered for a week at a diabetes camp in the Santa Cruz Mountains, so 45 minutes away from here or so, with some um, um, doctors Bruce Buckingham and Daryl Wilson from Stanford University. And you know I spent a week with like a cabin of I don't know eight year old boys who were learning to give themselves injections for the first time and count carbs and, um, you know, just, you know, get comfortable with their diabetes. And, you know, it was it was an overwhelming experience sort of learning um, and just seeing what they were going through. And this was in the early days of, um, you know, we didn't have a continuous glucose model in the market yet, but it was in clinical studies. And I think some of them might've been wearing the device um, in these direct net um, mm. pediatric um, studies that were going on. And, um, you know, just watching them and, how they were managing their diabetes. I mean, it's inspiring, but also just you know creates those connections and helps you realize how the products you make, you know, can improve people's lives and the the differences they're making at, at that point. And just you know how much more opportunity there there was um, to help you know get rid of some of the 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 difficulties having diabetes, the the cognitive burden of having to figure out your dose, the the pain of doing finger sticks. Um, you know, for people with diabetes, the, you could be testing your your blood sugars four, eight, ten times a day. We used to go, I you know, I would follow the doctors around at two in the morning when they would go and you know test the blood glucose um, for mm. for the kids who who went to bed um, maybe a little bit low. So at two in the morning, they'd set the alarm to to wake up and test the kids. Um, so just a, amazing experience that helps, you know, reinforce the need for a continuous glucose monitor that gives a parent the, to, the confidence to be able to, you know, put their kid to bed knowing that, you know, they're going to wake up with an okay glucose. And if the glucose goes low, they're going to, you know, be alerted in the middle of the night and be able to wake up and and um, give some carbohydrates, give that orange juice, but more importantly, to, to help them go to bed with the right glucose level to, you know, hopefully prevent that from happening, but just the peace of mind and the confidence that, Mm. that comes from having these technologies that, you know, are always watching your, your kid and, you know, helping keeping them out of a troublesome situation.
0: Yeah. There's some interesting, interesting words and concepts that you mentioned there, actually a lot of those challenges that you just mentioned, I think perfectly demonstrate the need for continuous innovation, i.e. That I mean, you mentioned that Libre has a predecessor, and there were, you know, many predecessors to that in terms of the way that people manage their care. But ultimately, there's this driving force behind that, which is we can make those patients just have a better experience. You mentioned like pinpricks for for blood glucose analysis and reducing those and like there's there's many of these sort of points that we're counting cut like there's a lot there's lots of sort of lifestyle impact and i think this 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 continuous need to innovate beyond the challenges and to make life better for those people with diabetes is clearly a driving force behind you know someone like yourself for whom it is a little bit personal you've got these personal stories behind this that can help motivate you which i think is quite nice um but you also talked a little bit there to to responsibility and trust that ultimately these devices and the accuracy of them the sensitivity the specificity it actually matters it matters at a really kind of critical level that they do just work they can have bells and whistles but the fact that they just work and do what they say they're going to do um and also then the metric that that actually provides which is peace of mind and confidence two things that you've that you've mentioned there which i think that's a real interesting journey through that problem for me actually when you're not thinking about necessarily the engineering or the commercials but it's actually just thinking how do you actually make people's lives better that that is that, that's more the sort of impact journey, I would say, of, of understanding the need to innovate and and understanding the responsibility and then getting to a point of confidence. That is a really nice story through, through the impact of the innovation. But I'd like you to tell me about Libre and I'd like you to tell me about it um, from... tell me about the engineering and the technology behind it you mentioned some of it there you mentioned the three human hairs and the width of the sensor you've mentioned the adhesive which we've talked about but can you can you tell me about about cgm devices broadly and just where libre fits in and 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 how you developed it from its predecessor
1: continuous glucose monitors like the freestyle libre they measure glucose in the interstitial fluid that bathes the cells. So all of your cells need glucose to survive. And uh, whereas when you do a, a finger prick to get your glucose value, you are you know, getting a drop of blood and looking at the glucose level in that drop of blood, um, a continuous glucose monitor, it's looking at the glucose levels in the interstitial fluid that bathes the cells. Um, so, so a l- little bit difference in there, but because the, the glucose comes in the blood, the numbers are, um, they are representative of the, the glucose values that you, you would see in the blood. And we spend a lot of time trying to understand that relationship between the two of them and developing algorithms to make sure that, um, you know, the glucose values in the distitial fluid that we're reporting um, are, are very accurate and, and match those reference values that are, are taken from the blood. Because um, when, you, when you talked about, you know, the, the peace of mind and the accuracy, that's, that is, um, you know, at the core of what we do, we need mm. to create we, we, we have created a very accurate sensor that gives, um, you know, glucose readings that you can trust, that you can make insulin dosing decisions on, that you can, that you know, doctors can can trust, that people who are, you know, deciding how much insulin to to draw up in a in a syringe or in their 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 pen can can make accurate decisions, feel comfortable with that. But essentially, there is a um, a small sensor tail again, about three um, the thickness of three human hairs and there's a little bit of um, chemistry on that, in um, an, an enzyme called a glucose oxidase, and it um, reacts with the glucose in the interstitial fluid, and we're able to generate a current on that sensor that we can measure that's proportional to the amount of glucose. So if there's more glucose, we measure higher current. If there's less glucose, we measure less current, and then we are able to calibrate that, um, that sensor reading um, based upon some work we've done in manufacturing and understanding the relationships of, of um, the performance of our sensor. And we are able to present a glucose reading to you. So there's um, inside the device that's about um, the size of um, a couple of pennies. And I've, I've got one here. Maybe I can, I can grab that. Hopefully that wasn't too bad. Um, so this teeny tiny device that you'd wear on the, the back of your arm um, and you know, again, about the thickness of of two coins, about the size size of a coin. You wear it in the back of your arm, and it has um, it has Bluetooth in it, so it's sending those values every minute to your smartphone or a reader that we make available. It has um, NFC in it, so like the the Apple Pay technology that you use to uh, to buy your coffee at Starbucks, that allows you to activate the sensor, pair it with your phone. Um, send all the Bluetooth secrets over to, to give you, you know, a, a an accurate and reliable connection. So all of that technology, you know, wireless communication, NFC, Bluetooth, the processor that allows this, the battery that powers this for 14 days, this, you know, electrochemical sensor lives in this teeny tiny device. And we have, you know, teams of, um, you know, Software engineers, embedded embedded device engineers, um, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers that work on um, you know the the insertion the insertion for these devices is um, you know critical. How do you apply it in a way that's painless and easy, and that you know users can do um, without thinking of you know every every fourteen days? You essentially you apply it as a very simple applicator. You essentially push it onto the, um, you, you push the applicator down, and it. Um, it, it attaches the device to the skin, it, it, um, it gently and carefully inserts that sensor tail under the skin, um, and then um, you, know, you peel it off like a bandit at the end of 14 days, so you know, every aspect of the device was designed to be um, easy to use, um, that it could be done with, with, with really no training. These devices are something that you, know, you get. And you need to be able to use it essentially right out of the box. So there's a little tutorial that walks you through it in the app or or the reader. But but you you, you apply it yourself. You you activate it yourself. You get the glucose readings. They're designed to be um you know very easy to understand. And we we tried to you know from the beginning we were trying to design Freestyle Libre as a blood glucose meter replacement. That it wasn't designed to be like a, a niche product as some of its predecessors was. But to be a um, really a, a widely available product that could be understood by by really all people with with diabetes, so not just the um, super technical savvy folks who maybe earlier generations of products were, but that it was going to be easy to use um, and reliable. And you know, a key part of that was getting rid of user calibration. So earlier devices required you to um, calibrate the sensor readings with finger sticks. So um, you'd have to do two or, you know, um, two finger sticks a day, for example, or the early Freestyle Navigator, the predecessor was five finger sticks over the five days of of its wear. Um, And that, you know, added complexity, you had to do finger sticks at the right time. Um, If you're finger wasn't clean or your technique wasn't good and you got an inaccurate finger stick reading then that would affect your, your sensor readings over time. So it was a key element for us to be able to develop a factory calibrated, the first factory calibrated device where out of the box it gives you accurate glucose readings. Um, that was also an important part in making the device affordable and broadly accessible. That if you're trying to offer a device that's a continuous glucose monitor that's roughly equivalent to the price of finger sticks. It's hard to do that when you need finger sticks to calibrate it. So um, we spent a huge amount of time on the manufacturing of the device. So not just the design of um, you know how it works, but the design of all the components were made in order to be able to make it at high volumes in a very accurate and reproducible way. So that way we could make it, and be able to calibrate in the factory and didn't require you to calibrate it at home with with blood glucose uh, measurements so you know really all aspects of the of the de- of the device again from from the design through manufacturing were done sort of concurrently with this vision in mind of how to get this highly accurate reproducible sensor and something that would be um simple to use small widely accepted and then it could be offered at a price that would make it you know reimbursed. Um, You know, there's, there's, we have great stories. It's in, you know, Freestyle Libre is in more than 60 countries. It's reimbursed, um, you know, I think in in more than 46 of those countries now. Um, And we see, you know, an increasing wave of reimbursement for folks, um, you know, not just people with type one diabetes, uh, um, you know, who are required to take, um, you know, insulin, um, multiple times a day to, to manage their diabetes because their, their pancreas is not produce insulin anymore. Um, but even, um, you know, type 2 diabetes, folks um, um, on multiple daily injections, on basal insulin, even earlier and earlier in the type 2 diabetes progression, there is, um, you know, increasing understanding that devices like Freestyle Libre, like that Freestyle Libre provides you information that you can use to better manage your diabetes. You can see how your meals and your exercise affect your glucose readings and make decisions that improve your health. And, you know, we've done outcome studies and we've done meta-analyses and we have lots of real-world evidence. And, you know, these devices widely used in these, you know, national registries. And, you know, there's just this growing body of evidence that people who use continuous glucose monitors are able to achieve better control of their glucose and better outcomes, Um, more time in target glucose ranges, reduction A1C, reduced hospitalizations, improved quality of life. Those insights that you get from your body about how your diet and exercise affect your glucose and your health and wellness has really helped drive um, our introduction of continuous glucose monitors in the health and wellness space. So mm. um, you mentioned about consumer bio wearables. Well, so we're excited about, um, we talked about Freestyle Libre for people with diabetes and um, we're, we're, we're about to launch the Lingo brand of products for health and wellness for people to, um, for consumers to manage, um, to understand how their glucose values uh, affect their, their diet and their mood and their sleep and how they can, you know, with a window into how their glucose affects them, they can help change those aspects of their of the lifestyle and have good visibility and you know, seen an improvement in in their health and wellness.
0: Awesome, it's a heck of a it's a heck of an education that into um, how to build a, a very important and widely accessible medical device. Um, well, first of all, I just want to comment on like how beautifully elegant the sciences behind a continuous glucose monitor i actually it's a bit criminal that i didn't know this but i i didn't know that actually what you're doing is oxidizing the glucose and then measuring current i i I hadn't appreciated that and that that's so wonderfully elegant how the the chemistry the physics and the biology just come together there to actually give you a value that can be continually tracked over that period. I, th- I think that's so elegant and so, so wonderful. But I think what's also elegant and wonderful in in the way that you've explained that. So I've actually just spoken to someone who um, is in patient experience at Nova Nordisk on this podcast. I actually spoke to her just before, just before this, this recording actually. And it's interesting to me how you and and how she have talked about how important the patient experience is when you're considering innovation. And what you've talked about there, you mentioned quite a lot of things that you considered very, very intentionally to make the experience for the patient better in terms of the way it's applied, in terms of the way it stays on the skin, in terms of uh, like lots of things, like the patient experience is is really important what is the driver behind that for you as a as a company is it is it competition in the market that's going to drive you towards that in part is it a more intrinsic driver and i know of course the answer will be in some part probably both of those things and probably more intrinsic but it seems to me that it's a really big deal and obviously that's wonderful it's great because it seems like so many devices that we encounter in hospitals are designed by people that have never clearly never had to have them used on them um and there's a a big hangover from devices made probably almost a 100 years ago but it seems like here in this space particularly in diabetes there's 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 rapid innovation and there's a real there's a, just a real cohort of companies and people and innovators that that really just care about the actual patient experience here. I'm just trying to understand the drivers behind this. If Can you shine some light on that for me? Because I'm wondering how this can be scaled into more, 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 uh, more disease areas or more, more medical device areas.
1: Yeah, James, that's such a, such a great question. So we are um, this amazingly intimate device that you wear on the back of your arm, you know, Fourteen days, maybe every day of your life, and uh, you know it is it is on you. It is measuring your glucose readings. It is it is helping you figure out what to do to manage your diabetes at all the time. And we are at this interesting space where it's um it's a medical device, but it's this very consumer product. It's um you know it's 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 on your smartphone. It's you you can you know in some countries you pick it up um in in the in, in the pharmacies in the, in the, in the druggist, um you, uh, you you pick it up like that it is this amazing consumer product that is a medical device and we we've taken you know influence from sort of the best of, of both of those worlds um you know we we understand people with diabetes really well we have a long history there you know before we made continuous glucose monitors we made um glucose test strips and understood the needs for people with diabetes, um, you know, incredibly well. And we spend a lot of time trying to, um, you know, understand who that person with diabetes is. Well, um, and there's, there's not one person, you know, there's just, there's, um, you know, this incredibly heterogeneous group of folks, but sort of dissecting them and understanding um, what their needs are and developing products that that help address those needs, and at the core of diabetes is measuring and controlling glucose values. And in Freestyle Libre, we designed it to be really simple and elegant, and um, again, intimate—that you're you're wearing it, and it it is it is part of your life, as small a part of your life as we can make it. But it's something you you have a relationship with. Um, you know, I, I love. Um, you know, going online and seeing people, you know, holding up their, their phone, showing their glucose values and their traces, (laughs) or they're, you know, posting, you know, pictures in their wedding dresses, wearing their freestyle Libre sensors, you know, proudly on the, on the back of their arms. Um, it is this just, um, kind of amazingly, um, intimate experience that people have. And, and, you know, I think we take the responsibility of that very seriously and it's, it's made us design these products, um, with that user and the, the relationship with the product, um, really carefully, uh, you know, always at top of mind.
0: Yeah. I think what you're talking about there actually is when we think about sort of the why is so consumers have choice there. And I think consumers therefore have choice in how they want to manage their diabetes. And it's that choice that means that if you have the most, user friendly the most joyous the easiest to use most accurate etc product. Therefore, because the consumers have choice in in where they go and where they put that money, they can make a decision that is going to influence then the engineering of the product, frankly, to make it the best it can be in the categories that are important to those individuals because they're the ones with choice. And I think that's a really important point, I think, about consumer wearables, which is that just simply the model of the people making the buying decision are also the user. I think that's a really important point to mention that drives innovation. And I, I think one, one problem that I've got with hospital systems and that we've got in the UK and secondary care and the way that devices are procured for us in, here in the UK is that the buyer is not the person whom the machine is used on, the device is used on, the software is used on. And when you divorce the buyer and the user then actually the buying decision is not one that's housed in what's most appropriate for the user. And that's what I struggle with economically with a more kind of system and hospital system and uh, like level economy. Whereas here, when we talk about consumer wearables, we can see it, we we you see the innovation and you can, you can feel like the, the positivity around all these, ent- engineering decisions around the adhesives and engineering decisions around like how thin that needs to be in the app, the, the process by which it is just applied to the body and where it is applied and all these things, this can have a huge impact because it really matters where those individual consumers are going to put their buying decision. And so this has to be taken into account. And as you say, that clearly affects not only the ease of use and the user experience, but also the quality and the accuracy and things like that, which is why I think that the innovation that has taken place in um, continuous glucose monitoring, you know, far exceeds that of, um, I don't know, speculums or things like that, which are the same as they've been for 200 years or whatever it is like, it, it, you know, makes way more sense. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you've got any reflections on that, Mark. That's just me ranting about something that gripes me, to be honest.
1: <laughs> no, I, I think you're exactly right. Um, consumer choice, um, does play an important role and, um, helps drive us, you know, making the device, Small is um, a big engineering challenge, and my team was was driven on that. For Freestyle Libre 3, it was we wanted to be as small as we could possibly be, and the device is it's less than three millimeters thick. And, um, you know, these there is a size on the device when you don't know you're wearing it. And I don't know what that line is, but Freestyle Libre 3, is it, it, it's at that level where you, you really – you you lose the fact that you're wearing the device because because it's so comfortable. But it but it's it's not just consumers and now now that's true. But um early in the days it also needed to be accepted by the healthcare providers, um by the the doctors and the nurses mm-hmm. that the device would be easy to use and easy to integrate within to the healthcare practice. That you know as, as a physician you don't have time to train folks on these devices. You don't have time to understand the vast amounts of data that these continuous glucose monitors bring in if it's not synthesized in a way that's useful. In the early days, we used to call them these spaghetti plots. People would come in and, you know, there were just these traces, bunch of sort of overlaid traces (laughs) on top of each other. And, you know, engineers, you know, do- doctors would look at them and say, well, I don't really know what to do with all of this to go from, you know, sparse log books that maybe people mm-hmm. filled in in yeah. the parking lot, you know, of their, of, of the surgery kind of making up the, the numbers yeah. that they had or hadn't tested to like having these like dense strings of, of glucose traces that sort of highlighted all the r- wrong things. You'd look at the one trace that's a little bit high because it stood out and not like the well, what does most of the data look like? So we worked very closely with um, folks like the um, International Diabetes Center um, um, and folks like uh, the Joslin Clinic to come up with reporting approaches where we can take these vast amounts of data and synthesize them. Things like the ambulatory glucose profile, which sounds complicated, but it's a way of looking what a Typical day looks like. How does your median glucose trace mm. look like? And what is, um, you know, your bands and um, your five and ninety-five percent glucose ranges? So it highlights what does your average glucose look like? What do the extremes do? And brings your attention to where problems are. And we've developed reports that you know sort of break the day into you know, the different meal times and night times and highlight areas that you know as a. As a as a physician or a healthcare team, you should be looking at because here's a time where they have a tendency to go low or a high. So we've spent a lot of time trying to make the data, um, you know, tractable. Um, make it so that you know, as a, as a healthcare provider, you can you can understand it. You have the expertise to do that, yeah. but just make it easy and that it works within the the physician actually, workflow. Yeah. That you don't have to spend you know, yeah, that, you know, you don't have, you don't have a lot of time. We hear that with every, every healthcare provider we talk to, um, how, how little time you actually have with, with the patient. So how can we make that as, as meaningful and, you know, give you reports that you can sit and show the patient and highlight areas. Um, but it's also interesting that we know in our studies in a lot of our studies, um, they have a, a blinded portion of wear where a subject where someone in the study is wearing the device And they can't see the glucose readings. Um, They have a a device where we've essentially masked glucose readings. And then we give them the second sensor and we unmask it and they can see the glucose readings. And we see a huge difference in their management diabetes, like instantly when you unmask a device. The people, when you give them access to glucose readings in this painless way in – you know, in a way that's easy to understand with with continuous glucose monitors, with Libre, Freestyle Libre, you see your glucose reading where you are at that instant. You see your last eight or 12 hours of glucose history on the graph. So it tells you how you got where you are and it gives you a trend arrow, which shows you which way your glucose is going. So it kind of gives you all the information you need. And with that information at, at the fingertips at their disposal, people do much better Like instantly. Like as soon as you unmask the sensor, they have understanding. I mean, the world is revealed to them, the world of their glucose and diabetes is, real to, is real revealed to them mm-hmm. in a way they haven't seen it before. So it really, you know, you talked about customers and consumer choice. It's, you know, we have lots of customers, it's the healthcare teams, it's the, it's the payers, if it's the, you know, the, if it's the NHS, if it's, in, you know, commercial insurers in the United States. Um, but it is also that, that end user the person Mm. who's buying a device and wearing it every day to manage the diabetes so so we think about all of those customers along the way Mm. and that's probably isn't true of the the speculum manufacturer though i have to say i was at i was at a a conference at stanford um just last week and there was a, a new design for a a home um Uh, sort of a home collection device so not not quite um, yeah not quite a speculum but a really elegant way to be able to um,
0: do some of those tests at home wow Um, yeah i want to get them on the podcast too that's very interesting um (laughs) well that sounds it sounds like the next frontier doesn't it and that this is interesting to me that the next frontier is not only the engineering of the device but actually now with digital it's the data that's coming out and it's how that links to the the advocacy of the individual the self-management the it's all of those things now isn't it and i think that is a new frontier that has a ceiling well beyond where we are now in terms of all the things that can be done all the ai machine learning that can be done to clean those signals discern the actionable, actionable insights as well as, I suppose, the theories behind what the lifestyle should be, what the diet should be, what there's all the, the, the combination of all those things now will be, a, I, I think, a constantly moving line of of innovation. Which it sounds like you guys are very, very well equipped for in terms of not only understanding that that is the case, but actually well on the way to realizing it. What have you learned so far? It's just out of interest. I mean, what, what have you learned so far with this continuous stream of data? And obviously we're over the initial panic of like, Oh my God, that's too much data. I don't know what to do with it. And, uh, it's, you know, that there are now signals being cleaned and there's insights being given and all that kind of thing. I mean, what, what, what have you learned? Where do you think this is going? Like in, in terms of this stuff, are there any sort of key elements that have popped up initially with this side of things in the innovation of this side of things? Are there any sort of key learning points that you've had?
1: Well, I think um it's it's true on so many levels I think um you know personally when you look at your continuous glucose trace you get all sorts of insights about what you know I I don't have diabetes but I've 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 worn a continuous sensor before and you know the understanding of what happens when I skip a meal and and if I yeah. skip breakfast and skip lunch and then the spike I'll get with my dinner where you know if my mood does change and it's related to my glucose, I wish I had it. You know, when I'm when I'm short with my kids, I wish I had my uh, my CGM in front of me and I could see was it was it really my kids or was it that I I need yeah. to do a better job of uh, sort of man- managing my diet. But I think you know really this technology offers huge um, capabilities. You, you kind of hinted at it that as we generate more data linking therapies linking um, glucose traces, linking populations, can we give recommendations to healthcare providers that say for a patient like yours who has a glucose control like yours, here's the therapy that you might want to consider? Now, we're not looking to replace the physician in this, but can we make their physician's job a, a little bit easier and help them, you know, get more confident in maybe making a more aggressive change in therapy because there's, you know, this enormous body of data behind it that says, you know, what you were thinking about doing and maybe you wanted to take two or three or four steps to get to that. Here's data that supports for that patient, you know, that's probably the right therapy decision to make. And you have the confidence that because they're wearing a continuous glucose monitor, that you know, you're you're maybe a little quicker to to be more aggressive on a therapy change that. That will bring um, you know better results for them. So we, we think there's great opportunity for for AI in that space for help giving guidance to physicians to the healthcare team about how to adjust therapy. We think there's um, you know for that for that person with diabetes who's managing their diabetes with insulin. Um, you know we work closely with. Um, Insulin pump manufacturers and with closed loop providers, we have a. Um, you know, in in Europe, we have um, we have a close collaboration with um, CamDiab, which is a, um, a a company out at, from Roman Havork out of Cambridge University that has a closed loop algorithm that lives on a smartphone. Um, and so he is a system that works with um, our Freestyle Libre three sensor, the the um, CamDiab algorithm, and an, a pump from Ipsomed that delivers insulin in a hybrid closed-loop way driven by the glucose values um, measured from the Freestyle Libre 3 sensor. We have um, ongoing collaborations with um, um, companies like Tandem and Inslet and in the development of, of systems from, from them as well to help um, you know, the system get, get in the hands of more and more folks who use them to measure the diabetes. But we also see the opportunity to partner. You, you mentioned Novo Nordisk. We have um, within the Freestyle Libre Link app, so the app that lets you read your sensor, you can scan your NovoPen um, smart pen and see the insulin administrations from that pen right on your Freestyle Libre Link app. So, um, you know, as, as a healthcare provider, maybe you've maybe maybe you've had glucose data, maybe you've had some maybe you've had logbooks of how much insulin they've delivered, but imagine seeing that all in one place, you know, not only what their glucose history is, but their, um, you know, the insulin they delivered. And that gives you these really teachable moments of, look, you know, why did your glucose go high or why did your glucose go lower? I see you didn't take, (laughs) you didn't take insulin after these meals. Um, So just having this information in one place, you know, just provides these, you know, meaningful opportunities for conversations with the healthcare team and that person living with diabetes. And you know, just, just the reminder to say, hey, did, did you take your insulin? And it gives them the confidence, you know, maybe before someone, you know, if you if you weren't sure if you took insulin, maybe you didn't want to take the chance of giving yourself a second bolus and knowing that you were going to be, you know, struggling for the next three hours with trying to recover from a low given by you know to insulin stacking because you forgot that you gave your insulin. Mm. But here you know, with these systems, then that you know how much in, you know that you deliver that insulin because it's you can scan that NovoPen and see it right on your Freestyle LibreLink app. That you're if you see you missed your dose, you can have the confidence to take that dose mm. and and know you're not going to be troubled by by low glucose for the next several hours. Mm. It just gives people that much more control of their of, of their health and wellness.
0: Yeah, and. You talked about was it Lingo Health, the the new the new health and wellness brand, right? So, how we, we talked about yeah. data just now, and we talked we talked about how that data is used in the context of diabetes to understand what certain things in your day do to your level. But of course, that applies to not only people with diabetes; that applies to everybody. And I suppose if you if you subscribe to a, a, perhaps a more deterministic view that just with more info the quantified self the more the more information that you have about yourself the better the decisions can be made and the more that is predictable um, then obviously the more data the better and we can learn what certain things do to blood sugar and what that can do to mood and you you say in jest you know that this causes a change in behavior which can have knock-on effects to others well actually that might not be so like Silly at all actually that that it when scaled up at population level, you wonder what positive benefits that can have you know um and so obviously your my my question was going to be you know how how do you see devices like this in in terms of not people without diabetes using them to ca- gather that data and to understand more about themselves and and behaviours and and we can start to learn more about ourselves as humans. And some people will say, you know, that they, that makes them uncomfortable and they don't want to know that. If I'm tired, I'll go to sleep. If I'm hungry, I'll eat that kind of thing. But obviously, there's there's lots to learn, and that's how we will progress from a scientific level. I personally don't like I don't like wearing a Fitbit. I don't I, I, because I think anything. What was it? And anything anything that's that's measured will behave differently. I won't behave differently if I'm being measured even by myself. And so it ends up being quite a mental burden on myself. But, um, I know that for, for Jess, my co-founder of Psyx and, and my fiance, she absolutely loves to wear all this stuff and absolutely loves the quantified self and absolutely loves to know that data to learn how she can understand her body and optimize it more. And, and, and I can completely understand that. And so, um, obviously through the consumer brand you're looking to for people like that right you're looking for people that want to take that step and understand more about themselves um i'm assuming anyway but you tell me like what's the what's the this consumer brand going to be about
1: so i don't think it's just more data for data's sake i think it's really about how to take that data that information that we can get from a bio wearable and Present it in a way that's meaningful and gives yeah, insights. So, we, we're spending a lot of time and we really understand for people with diabetes how to give them glucose information in a way that they can get the insights that they need to manage their diabetes. And we're, you know, you talked about being close to the consumer. We're really, this is an area where we're doing a lot of research and, you know, trying to understand really well how to take glucose information, how to take ketone information from our from our bio wearables and present it in a way that lets people get, you know, the unique insights that you can only get from a device like this. And and to be frank, you know, we, there's a, we're excited about it. There's a lot of pent up demand. I, yeah. I, I can't tell you, I, you know, there's so many people with, there's so many people with diabetes, but when I talk about lingo, that's when I see people's eyes light up. And uh, I, I have folks reaching out to me saying, how do I get involved in, in <laughs> lingo? And it's really, it's amazing because I think, I think people see these technologies. Um, you know, they 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 kind of understand continuous glucose monitor a little bit. But I think we 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 all kind of have this intuitive understanding that um, what we eat is so much of who we are, and how can we understand that better? And you know, you know that there are certain meals where after you eat it, you're you know you're you're exhausted, or <laughs> you have you have better energy. How can how can you get better insight about that? How can you sleep better? How can you um, maybe manage your weight better. How can you change your mood? I think there's, there's a lot of interest in that. Um, you know, we talk about glucose. We talk about ketones a lot. We talk about lactate for, for lingo. Um, you know, the, the keto ketogenic diet, um, is very popular these days. Um, it's a, it's a hard diet mm-hmm. that, um, you know, you don't have to eat. So, so people who don't know ketogenic diet is a, sort of a very low carbohydrate diet or, you know, exceedingly low carbohydrate diet and um, when you avoid carbohydrates, your body burns fat to for energy, and that creates um, an elevated level of ketones, ketosis. And if you're on a ketogenic diet, that's a desirable state to be, um, to be in ketosis. But people don't know if they're in ketosis or not, and they don't know if the, the little snack they had took them out of ketosis. So a lot of people stop a ketogenic diet because they, they find it frustrating, they, they don't lose weight because they're they actually in ketosis. Well, with a product that measures your ketones and reports it to you, you, can, you get that immediate feedback. Are you, are you achieving ketosis? Are you in that desired state where your body's burning fat? And then you know, you, you know it, and then you start to see the positive feedback of you know, hopefully you're, you're, you're losing weight or achieving what your goals are. Um, and then um, you get that sort of virtuous spiral and that's that's something that you wouldn't really be able to see without a sensor that measures your ketone levels. Mm-hmm. So um you know that that's one aspect. And again, for, for glucose, I think there, there's similar things. There's there's lots of data out there about um you know people whose glucose they have, they have greater variability. And if their glucose dips lower after a meal, they're more likely to um consume more calories in a after that and sort of the the next meal. So what can you do to keep your glucose levels, you know, in a tighter range? Again, even for people without diabetes. Um, And I I think we're all sort of intrigued in how knowing more about your body and what you're doing can can help you make better choices or choices that are personal for you along the way. But again, it's all about taking that that data that comes from the the biosensor and um, the, by wearable and presenting it in a way that lets people get that information um, easily and be able to take meaningful insights from it.
0: I think that's a really good point. I, I think the points you made are excellent there. And, and actually, the phrase I like is that it's not data for data's sake. And it's it's a frontier of human knowledge. It's an area of knowledge that we don't have that we will gain through people doing this we will learn what certain behaviors and activities to do with food and otherwise affect our glucose levels which in turn affects our behavior and thoughts and feelings and emotions and we will learn that through this exercise that knowledge will be added to our species I don't know it'll be added to us but we will then behave differently as a result as we as we have done for thousands of years with more and more information so I love that and I love the how that really f- falls into well at the end of the day it's as you say it's not just about collecting data for the sake of it it's actually moving us more to this preventative health model of how do I just continually optimize my health just how do I make the good decisions or at least tell me what the good decisions are. And this is how we get to more of that knowledge. So I think it is really interesting from that perspective. Is there anything else you wanted to cover, Mark, just out of interest? Is there anything particularly that we haven't touched on yet that you wanted to bring up or mention?
1: You know, I I think we've touched on a lot of the topics here. Um, To me, I think it's just really important that your listeners understand that the bio wearables, that they are, this new frontier for people with, um, diabetes. They've demonstrated how well people can use the data that's available from, you know, products like the Freestyle Libre to help manage their diabetes. And that, you know, there really is the potential now for these products to, you know, offer this unique insight into, um, health and wellness for people outside of the diabetes space as well. Um, when we developed Freestyle Libre, we knew it was, um, it had tremendous application, that it was a platform that um, it could be used for people with diabetes, that we we had visions that someday maybe it could be used for people with outside diabetes, and we're, we're we're that's starting to come to fruition now. We think that you know there's lots of other opportunities in healthcare as well, that there are other medical applications for continuous monitoring. And we have very active programs looking at other you know, medical applications for continuous monitoring, too. Where are things that, um, you know, as a physician, you probably have lots of ideas for things that, you know, you could monitor um, every minute that you would get unique value off that there's so many tests that we do today that are limited to where you can do them. Can they only be done at a hospital? Can they only be done, you know, in certain locations that, um, you know, move around frequently? And maybe in the hospital, you can do it every four hours or every hour but like what if there was information that you could have at the nurse's station every, every hour, you know, providing you uh, alarms when um, you know, it was crossing certain thresholds, you know, how much of a, of a burden can you, can, re- can you reduce from that nursing care in the hospital and just, um, you know, improve outcomes by having access to this data. So, so I, I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg really of, um, this continuous continuous analyte monitoring that we get from bio wearables and you know, diabetes has been an amazing place to introduce this technology. But um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see it come out in other in for other medical analytes, and we're going to see it come out for consumers. And um, you know I I can't think of a better place to be right now than the, than the job I have <laughs> where it's taking these um sort of crazy ideas and understanding the needs of consumers and healthcare teams and payers and figuring out how we can, you know, create these products that are going to continue to change just how healthcare and health and wellness is done.
0: So one more final question from me. Um, Well, final proper question from me before we, uh, before we wrap up, if I take you full circle back to the engineering um, and when you think about the continuous glucose monitors now and, and Libre 3 that you've got now, when you think of Libre Four, Five, Six, Ten, and whatever next generation devices are around, from a from an engineering standpoint, where do you think this goes next? Where do you think uh, the innovations are? Is it in the materials? Is it in the broad structure? Is it far more in cloud and data and the the move of information? Is it that we're capturing different information? I'm super interested. Like, what what do you think? the innovations are from here
1: it's really in all of those areas which is uh, um both uh, exciting and, and frightening we've talked about um we have in development a continuous glucose and ketone sensor so a combined sensor oh, wow. that with you know one device the size of the freestyle libre three you know um, a couple of pennies on the back of your arm that'll measure glucose and ketones so for people with um type 1 diabetes for example that are at A high risk of uh, diabetic ketoacidosis. So I talked about uh, ketones being, you know, raising ketones are interesting for weight loss, but for people with diabetes, high ketones can be deadly. And it Mm -hmm. happens when there is not enough, um, well, when there's not enough insulin in in the body, essentially, and um, when the body breaks down fat, that um, you can develop an acidotic state, and that's, you know, incredibly dangerous, and people people die from it. So we think a product like that is, you know, very exciting. Again, get tremendous feedback from from endocrinologists, from physicians about the value of um, being able to measure ketones as a safety system, like airbags in your car. You hope not Mm. to use it, but to have information about ketones in advance. So for pregnancy, for pediatrics and adolescents, for people on pumps where, um, you know, there can be infusion set failures and you think you're delivering insulin, but you're not, um, that... uh, an early warning um, through the detection of elevated ketones preventing um, diabetic ketoacidosis from occurring, the value of that. But there are interesting classes of drugs called SGLT2 inhibitors that are really exciting and have all sorts of benefits for um, heart and kidney health, but they um, they can result in something called euglycemic um, ketoacidosis where your glucose values can be normal, but your ketones can get elevated so they're not approved or cleared for use in people with type 1 diabetes because of that risk but maybe with the development of a glucose ketone sensor that pharmaceuticals like like that will be available for people with type 1 diabetes so so incredibly excited about this combined glucose ketone sensor, but also on the data side um, when I started my career, I, I I didn't have an appreciation for how much of, you know, diabetes now is is growth on the digital side. I mean, we have a huge digital team. It's an area where we're growing tremendously, supporting um, apps and cloud infrastructure to get mm. data from the device and send it up to the cloud. So your, you know, your, your caregiver, your physician can see it in our LibreView um, <laughs> you know, cloud management software um, that your caregiver can see it. Um, on their phone through our Libre link app? And how can we, you know, keep adding features to this um, to, to add more utility to um, the person with diabetes, their caregiving team, you know, healthcare providers? How can we um, get better insights for, you know, as we move to earlier and earlier in the type 2 diabetes disease progression, um, how can we, you know, present the data and give more meaningful insights for, um, for people who, um, you know, aren't titrating a dose of their insulin or, or other medications. How can we, you know, give them insights and, and link meal data to that and exercise data to it? I there's a lot of work going on there. And it, it really is, um, I think, a, a fascinating space. And, you know, again, it's sort of being at the right time in the right place. And with <laughs> AI, you know, emerging in ways that, I mean, the world's conversation has been about AI in the last <laughs> six months or nine months mm-hmm. I think we see the capabilities for that on um, giving insights to people, um, that was probably never before possible. So, um, you know, excitement on the device side, um, excitement on the digital side, excitement, um, you know, on being able to our, use our chemistry. And you know, we talked about, uh, the, the elegance of an enzymatic sensor to hmm. measure things bes- besides glucose as well. It's uh it really is all those things coming together. So I, I can't think of one area of, of my team here that uh, isn't doing just amazing stuff that's gonna be leading to the next generation of these products that, you know, where we're gonna be in five years is gonna be amazing. In 10 years, I, I, I can't even imagine really.
0: Awesome. You're not gonna be out of a job anytime soon, are you Mark? Plenty to do, plenty to innovate in. Um, and yeah, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Uh, just allowing you to explain the engineering and, and hearing all of that and me indulging myself by asking you the questions on, on adhesives and enzymatic sensors. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on, sir. And, uh, Yes, the next time you're in the UK, you must let me know and uh, and we can catch up. But Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. If people want to learn more about the device, about you, about uh, what you guys are up to more broadly, what's the best way for them to do so?
1: Well, definitely learn more about the device, uh, FreestyleLibre.com. If they want to learn more about me, um, I should call my mom, I guess. <laughs> um, what, what, a, what a good opportunity this was.
0: <laughs> but thanks. freestyle
1: they can learn all about the, the the tremendous products that we make here
0: awesome and i'm sure mark is on linkedin so we'll link that in the description of the episode um so mark yeah, thank, thank, you. thank uh, you it's been a pleasure have a good one hey everyone thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode remember to subscribe rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content